Hello, I'm Michael Hainsworth. Cutting off Vladimir Putin and his enablers from global finance is the world's primary weapon against Russia's attack on Ukraine. But it's a weapon weakened by bureaucracy in Canada. In last April's budget, Ottawa announced its intention to implement a public registry of beneficial ownership for federal corporations by 2025. But that doesn't address oligarch holdings in provincial corporations, nor does it address the money laundering that comes from it. In his intelligence memo to Canadians concerned about oligarchs, Kevin Como says our weak anti-money laundering laws have enabled corrupt politicians, criminals, and tax cheats from around the world to launder billions of dollars in Canadian real estate without disclosing the true owner. The lawyer and member of the Transparency International Canada's Working Group on Beneficial Ownership tells me money laundering in Canada is a multi-pronged tool. Well, it comes in various stages and in various ways. The most common way is uh, through the international uh, financial system. So generally, money launderers from various parts of the world will use their proceeds from crime, whether that be uh, from uh, drug trafficking, human trafficking, political corruption, tax evasion, and they will generally uh, get those funds into the financial system. And then they have to layer that so that it's harder to trace back to them. And by layering, I mean transferring it between corporations and trusts in various uh, tax havens and countries around the world. And then they often park it somewhere safe, like uh, Canadian real estate, or they simply move it to other areas back into their uh, to support their criminal enterprise. When you mentioned real estate specifically, a lot of talk came out of attempts to bring down the accelerating growth rate of house prices in this country. And the idea that there were foreign actors using Canada as a means of money laundering through the real estate system was cited as one of the big reasons why we have home prices rising at the rates we do. Whether or not we pinned that down expressly, what role does the real estate market play in cleaning cash? It's a great question, Michael. So Canada has uh, a very good reputation uh, as a uh, low corruption jurisdiction, which means uh, our uh, politicians, our business persons, generally are seen as having a much uh, lower amount of bribery and corruption than many other countries of the world. And so that reputation is a real asset for money launderers. So they would love to bring their funds into Canada. And then what do they do with it? Well, they can park it in our real estate for safekeeping for a period of time until they need those funds but they can also just move it through real estate so that when they sell the house, that money then is put into the bank account of the company, of the company that has been laundering funds or another related company. And then when they go to use it in other parts of the world, they'll say, well, what, what is your source of proceeds? And they'd say, oh, I sold my house in Canada. Well, that's doubly clean. One, it's a very clean jurisdiction, Canada, and it's from a house. So they say, oh, well, you know, that doesn't smell of corruption 
Um, and so there are not the red flags that they would have if, in fact, it came from uh, funds, say, from a tax haven. And so that allows them to what they call clean the money so that it now can be used in uh, the normal economy, whether that be in North America or other parts of the world. Is the real estate industry doing enough to clamp down on this, or has it done enough and now it's up to levels of government to take up the mantle? So prior to a year ago, the real estate industry didn't even have to check beneficial ownership. Their customers could simply incorporate a company in Canada in which there was no requirement to disclose beneficial ownership, and then they used that company with the real estate agent and say, I want to buy real estate property. And again, there was no requirement on those real estate agents to know who the beneficial owner was. A year ago, the, um, the rules that apply to real estate agents uh, was strengthened so that now they have to ask for and try and verify the beneficial owner of those companies, of those their clients. But to do that, they need certain tools where can they independently verify that information? Right now, it's extremely difficult to get independent verification. The client can say, oh, well, you know, this is my passport, and that's great, but who's authenticated the passport? So you need someone independently to verify that beneficial ownership um, uh, instrument uh, certificate, whether it is a passport, a driver's license, and we don't have that in Canada uh, to uh, that is easily accessible. So a beneficial ownership registry that was publicly accessible would allow those uh, reporting entities to access that as an independent source for verification. So that kind of registry is something that's supposed to be coming, hasn't arrived yet, and it's your urging, your urgent message is that we need to accelerate that. But as I understand it, Canada's constitution actually con- complicates our ability to clamp down on foreign actor investments in money laundering. Yes, in a way. Um, so it's a little more complicated than some other jurisdictions because of the separation of powers. So the UK right now has a beneficial ownership registry for corporations. It doesn't have uh, multiple provinces and the uh, UK government has the power to be uh, dealing with corporations throughout the UK. In Canada, you can incorporate a company in uh, under the federal uh, jurisdiction. So you can have a federal corporation or you can do so in any of the 10 provinces or territories. So that means if you're going to have a registry of corporations, you have to be dealing with 14 different governments in order to get consensus if you want a pan-Canadian registry. We had a similar sort of issue recently. Toronto Mayor John Tory has been calling for a review of a $144 million contract given to a company partially owned by a sanctioned Russian oligarch. That company has a billion dollars worth of active government contracts in Ontario. How do we address companies in which oligarchs have a partial ownership stake in a provincially registered corporation? Yeah, great question, Michael. It 
so we're talking about government procurement and you really need to be doing your due diligence there. Uh, so the, the government itself did not do proper due diligence for that procurement. Something like that never should have happened, but it did. And so how do we prevent it from happening in the future? The big asset that we would have in order to help us with government procurement is not just a, a registry of beneficial ownership, but a publicly accessible registry. That allows anyone from around the world to access that registry and to be able to use their local knowledge to identify those persons who are uh, related or associated to, say, corrupt uh, political uh, uh, officers and also to criminal organizations. And that's particularly important when you're dealing with an authoritarian regime like Russia. Because if you are only using government sources to check who those persons are, then you are relying on getting information from an authoritarian regime where the people that you're asking for information about are the very people who are giving you that information or are connected to those persons. So it, it is, a, I, I wouldn't say a useless exercise, but often fruitless. Well, it's interesting you point out that it seems like you could argue the Ontario government and the Toronto governments didn't do their due diligence, but I'm amazed to learn that the existing registry as we have it right now allows for searches, but it doesn't allow for searches by individual name, only corporation name. And that sounds like a simple flip of a digital switch to make that kind of broader access possible. Absolutely, Michael. So the, the big point to realize about those corporate registries right now is they were not constructed to provide information relating to the beneficial owners. And by beneficial owners, we mean the true owners. So by going through all those corporations and trusts and finally going to that person that is owning or controlling that all those companies. So those registries really just have basic information so that persons who are dealing with them will have the name of the directors and the registered address. So if something goes wrong, they can sue that entity. But that entity is often just a front company, a shell company. And so, yes, you can bring a lawsuit against them, but that doesn't tell Canadian um, regulators. It doesn't tell Canada Revenue. It doesn't even tell ordinary business persons who is behind that company or group of companies and trusts. And that's why you need a, a beneficial ownership registry. But the corporate registry that we have right now uh, should at least change the um, way in which it is um, its functionality uh, so that you could at least put in a person's name and see if they are a director or officer of any company in Canada, and if so, which ones. That would be great for, say, Canada Revenue to be able to see um, associated and related corporations so that you could see if they were doing non-arms-length transactions and thereby you know, cheating uh, the government out of uh, taxes that are properly payable. 
So to amalgamate all of these registries, bring everyone under the same roof at the provincial, territorial, and federal levels requires somebody to be responsible for it. And it's your assertion that the best way to go about this is have Ottawa bear the cost of this identity verification. Yeah, Michael. So that would really speed up the entire process. So the big thing about the registry is twofold. One, you want it to be a one-stop shop. You don't want someone from around the world to be investigating persons from their country and to have to go into 14 different registries. In fact, you could make that, you can you know, almost double that because then you would also have the land registries as well as the corporate registries. You don't want to be doing that. So that's why it makes sense to have a pan-Canadian registry. And you either do that by having one registry and the others can... Uh, the provinces can back into the federal registry uh, or you have it so that they can at least share information. Personally, I believe that it's easier to do if you actually have just one registry and you draft the legislation so that it allows the provinces to piggyback in. Now, how do you give them huge incentive to do that? Well, the biggest problem with the beneficial ownership registry is who's bearing the cost of doing the verification of the identity information that has to be filed, i.e. people are going to file a copy of their passport. And so that document and backup information has to be verified. You need to know that the person exists and they are who they say they are. And that is what they mean by verification. So it, we aren't saying whether or not they are a money launderer or a criminal. All we're doing is saying the person that they've said owns these assets actually exists. And they are this person who they who they say they are. And at this time, we have this huge hole in the system that you write about in your intelligence memo. So if we're going to draft fresh legislation, we should probably close this massive loophole. Think about it. A number of those enablers... So by enablers, I mean persons like lawyers, accountants, trusts, uh, trustees, and uh, corporate service providers from around the world, not just tax havens, they act as nominee directors for these criminals and, and uh, corrupt politicians. So right now, they are at the very edge of the law. They know that they don't own the underlying assets, but they don't necessarily know that their clients are criminals. And uh, and so they're ones who are practicing at the edges, outer edges of the law. But what about those who know their clients are criminals? What about those? Because at this time, there is no penalty for fake information put into that database. I think there may be fines for them being in that database. Where they're, what they can get away with is, is a different topic, but very closely related, which is with respect to reports that are made to reporting issuers. So right now we have the banks and other financial institutions, and we have uh, designated entities such as real estate agents and um, accounting firms that are required to collect beneficial ownership information from their clients. The problem is that we don't have proper legislation. We don't have legislation that says if you lie when you give that information to that reporting entity, that that is a crime. So 
the entity who collects the information, the banks, etc., they are sanctioned if they provide false information. But the person who actually knows the truth, i.e. the client, the corporation, if they provide uh, intentionally provide false information, there isn't a sanction against them. We can close that loophole immediately by merely passing legislation that says anytime that information is false, uh, that they're subject to sanction, and that should be both fines and imprisonment. You've written that Canada has an opportunity to turn 20 years of money laundering into a powerful weapon against Putin and his enablers. If we had the political will, how soon do you think we could have a fully functional pan-Canadian publicly accessible registry for corporations, trusts, and real estate? That, that I think, is a $64,000 question, Michael. So what Canada needs, I believe, is a sense of urgency. People are dying. People are getting killed in the Ukraine by a war of choice. So think of it this way. First of all, I believe Canada is Canada the good. I truly believe that. And I believe we want to do the right thing. And for years, we have not. For 20 years, we have been the world laggards in our anti-money laundering legislation. And so we've enabled criminals from around the world, including corrupt politicians from authoritarian regimes, to be laundering their money in our real estate and using our corporations to launder money both in Canada and throughout the world. So if we had a sense of urgency, I think we could be doing this by the end of the year. Now, make no mistake about it. That is a very aggressive timetable. But if we had Canadians dying today, if we were at war, I think absolutely we'd be able to do that. And I think Canada the good can make that happen. It's just a question of whether or not that we have that sense of urgency that demands that kind of action very, very quickly. Kevin, thank you for your time and insight. Thank you, Michael. Kevin Como is a lawyer and a member of Transparency International Canada's working group on beneficial ownership and the author of the C.D. Howe intelligence memo, Combating Money Laundering to Help Ukraine. Still to come from the C.D. Howe Institute, a webinar with the Honorable Peter Bethlen Falvey, Ontario's Minister of Finance, on his plan to rebuild the province's economy. And on the 13th, Bert Clark of the Investment Management Corporation of Ontario. In his webinar, he'll make the case for how large institutional investors add value. And an in-person patron members-only event at our Young Street headquarters in Toronto. Former Bank of Canada Governors John Crow, David Dodge, and Stephen Polos on inflation, the threat, and the response. I hope to see you then. I'm Michael Ainsworth. Thanks for listening. Stay healthy. Stay safe. You've been listening to the C.D. Howe Institute podcast with Michael Hainsworth. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. The C.D. Howe Institute is an independent, not-for-profit research institute whose mission is to raise living standards by fostering economically sound public policies. The Institute is widely considered to be Canada's most influential think tank and a trusted source of essential policy intelligence, distinguished by nonpartisan, evidence-based research and subject to definitive expert review. Visit cdhow.org and follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thank you.